And praise God, we don't just get together to learn. And that's one thing we do as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ is we learn his word and we grow. Disciple means a learner. But the Bible says, be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving or deluding your own selves. So we want to make sure we're doing his word. And, and go to Ecclesiastes, please, chapter 10. This is one of the wisdom books of the Bible. Solomon was the wisest man alive at his time. Uh, he was young, and he wasn't sure, you know, how he was going to govern and everything. He cried out to the Lord for wisdom, and the Lord blessed him. The Lord actually said, I'm giving you, he gave him such wisdom because he didn't ask for riches and things of that nature. He asked for wisdom. And a lot of things he didn't ask for, he ended up getting. Unfortunately, uh, he didn't always apply that wisdom, and he fell away. And before he died, he came back to the Father. And we have Ecclesiastes where he talks about what it was like when he had fallen. And he lets us know how life is not to be lived and how it is to be lived. And last time we left off, we had gone through the first four or so verses of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 10, I want to pick it up at verse 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 5. And we read, There is an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error which goes forth from the ruler. Folly, which is related to the word foolishness, is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. I have seen slaves riding on horses, and princes walking like slaves on the land. And the idea here is that he's seeing things that are backwards sometimes. He's going to kind of elaborate on this whole idea where in where people that should be ruling are peasants. They're slaves, but they have the wisdom to be a blessing. And people that shouldn't be riding horses and living like princes and later on he talks about how the roof sags and all things are falling apart and because these princes are partying in the morning, you know. He, I think around verse 16 or so he gets into that and they're feasting in the morning, you know, instead of getting their work done. They're like, you know, having the, living it up off the resources of the kingdom instead of serving the Lord and everything's going to pot. And the idea here is that life isn't generally fair in this fallen world that we're living in and that people, there's people in all kinds of high places that can be very, very destructive. Uh, Rehoboam is a great example of that. Rehoboam was Solomon's son. And Rehoboam, when he got hold of the kingdom, uh, got rid of the old folks, the older elders and so forth that would counsel him. And he brought younger folks in who wanted to overtax the people. And when the people complained, he said, well, we'll ba they basically said, we'll whip them with scorpion tails, you know. We'll, we'll enforce this. And it caused a civil war and Rehoboam lost the kingdom. You know, that God used David and then Solomon to build was lost. Civil war. Then you had the northern and the southern kingdom because you had this situation where there wasn't wisdom being used and these people were had come to power who ought not have been in power. And it's just kind of interesting. And we have to be very careful. You know, have to be careful in your own life, you know. You have to be careful uh, with, you know, if you're in charge of something or you have a leadership role, you have to be very careful uh, what you do. In fact, Paul tells Timothy when you appoint elders, he says, or appoint leaders, I should say, he says, don't appoint a new convert to a place of leadership. And let's say someone's been coming to church for a few weeks, they're all excited about Jesus and it's like, wow, they're doing great, man. This person would be great. And all of a sudden, you make him a teacher or you make him, you know, an elder or a deacon and you know, you're a you know, Sunday school teacher. Oh, you, man, you're just, you'd be great with the kids. Go teach the kids for two weeks. And all of a sudden, the kids come out of their learning, you know, 
you know, the, the signs of the Zodiac and that, you know, they're a, a, a Scorpio or something, you know, or it goes to the person's head and it says, you know, lest that person that you exalt to a high position, all of a sudden, you know, they fall into the condemnation of the devil because they're lifted up in pride. So you got to be very, very careful in regard to these kinds of situations. You remember Joe Biden, right? I mean, that's in the, that's in the news right now. Big thing that's in the news today was the uh, whole situation with getting millions of dollars, you know, in a deal with Ukraine, uh, him working with the energy, uh, energy people over there. And it's all in the news right now. It's, it's big in the news. And uh, how much of it is accurate than recent emails they just found on a hard drive that have been actually there for a while? Uh, you know, we'll see. Hopefully we'll see. Because I heard Facebook kind of put a, uh, you know, stopping them from getting wide circulation. This news from the New York Post getting wide circulation through the media. It's funny they do that with the uh, conservative type stories, right? They shut them down a lot of times. Kind of it doesn't seem fair. That's kind of what he's talking about here. Life isn't really fair in this world because we live in a fallen world. But uh, he didn't know Ukrainian, didn't know the energy. He goes over there and and the emails supposedly say we want influence with your dad. You know. But then they had this collusion thing with Trump for last, and, you know, I'm not a big Trump fan, you know that, but they were trying to pin him with collusion the last few years, right? And then it, it ended up being a nothing burger, and it wasted people's time and resources and money for three years straight in government, you know? And just, it's crazy stuff that's going on, but right now, uh, we'll see what happens with that, but I just thought, it's interesting, I'm in this passage, and I'm thinking, man, that's so relevant to what's going on today, when there's people in leadership roles, and apparently... Biden's son had things going on now just with Ukraine, but with people in influential, uh, I think it was the wife of the mayor in Moscow, got millions of dollars from China, you know. Uh, crazy, you know. That's how politics work to a degree. So uh, it's not hard to believe that there's something going on there, but we'll see. Anyway, uh, the scriptures warn us to be very, very careful. I have a, a pastor that used to be a pastor in this town, and uh, he shared with me one time that he put a lot of people, young people in leadership too early because the church was growing. And he said it came back to haunt him. And it was chaos, it was chaos in the church and it took a while to clean it up. It was a very, very painful time for him. You know, So we have to be very, very careful in our own lives as well. Uh, the Bible says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west, but it comes from the Lord. You put your trust in the Lord, amen. And you, you trust that he has a far better plan for your life than you do, amen. How many have already learned that? How many have learned that more than once? I, I think we all have, amen. Uh, let's pick it up at verse 8. Let's pick it up at verse 8. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. And what he's talking about now is the context you'll see. The context is people that are in areas and going into areas that they shouldn't be venturing into. And doing things or saying things or people... He'll go into the fool who speaks and doesn't think before he speaks and, and is destructive with his words and what have you. And, and here, he digs a, who digs a pit may fall into it. And a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. In other words, digging a pit might seem like it exerts enough energy. It might seem profitable. Breaking through a wall might seem profitable. They might be destructive too. So you have to make sure the decisions that you're making are profitable and you're not actually hurting yourself. A Haman's a great example. He's a classical example of one who built gallows to hang Mordecai. Amen. Remember that? The book of Esther, we just talked about that. And he ended up getting hung on the gallows that he had built. So you have to be very wise. And and uh, and if you break through a wall, you know, 
you could get bit by a serpent. And if you look at that literally, somebody might break through the wall of his neighbor's house and think, well, I've got to expand my land a little bit. And all of a sudden, he gets bit by a serpent. You could look at it in regard to temperance, uh, walls that the Lord's designed for us to have. Boundaries are good, by the way. What makes a river so beautiful is you have water, but it has boundaries, you know? It has boundaries, and it's just beautiful, and they can be deep and just clear and pristine and a great habitation for all kinds of creatures and fish and vegetation. But you take the boundaries away from a river and a water wadi, a, 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 you know, a body of water, you can end up with a swamp, you know? And walls can be really good, and God's given us walls. He's given us walls in regard to the temperance that we have where we can break down the walls that God created for us to have so we wouldn't be destroyed. Moral walls that he wants us to have up so we don't break certain moral boundaries. Amen? Sobriety. That's a great wall. We're maintaining your sobriety. You know? Drunkenness. And he talks about the serpent's bite right there. That's interesting because when I think of the serpent's bite and Solomon also wrote Proverbs, he talks about someone who gets drunk and he compares being drunk to, it could be like the bite of a serpent. And you can see things. You can hallucinate, you know, with your, when you're really drunk. And uh, a certain, even marijuana has, even though it's a narcotic, uh, has, uh, it's, you're capable of have hallucinating type experiences. Definitely thoughts. If any of you, God forbid, I mean, don't go there now. But if you've been high on marijuana before, you know that you have thoughts that are alien to your normal state of consciousness. You get into an altered state of consciousness. Uh, with different drugs right now, whether it's LSD and you know, psilocybin and, or DMT, and, or ayahuasca, uh, and the, the various hallucinogenic drugs that are becoming more and more popular, you get into an altered state of consciousness, and you open yourself up to other entities. And the Bible condemns these drugs under, the, uh, under pharmakeia, which is translated magic arts, witchcraft, sorcery, uh, that, that Greek word. And it's been translated, I've looked at some translations where it's translated druggings, dopings, because it's hard to translate because it's a word that was used. Pharmakeia was used to poison people. It was used to commit abortions and kill babies in the womb. But it came to be used in scriptural times when it was being used predominantly by people that would practice potions, that would make potions whereby you, they could open people up to the demonic world and open the magician up to the demonic world, the world of the spirit realm, you know, and the world of the serpent. And I just think it's very interesting that ayahuasca is so popular among our celebrities today. Do you know that? It's so popular in Silicon Valley with a lot of the leaders that make are heading up the computer industry and a lot of the tech companies. Ayahuasca. And these different hallucinogens. In fact, even uh, Steve Jobs, you know, he had experiences uh, with LSD and hallucinogens and got into Eastern mysticism and made Apple computer with the bite out of the Apple and the snake around it and the first Apple computer retailed at $666.66 by the way kind of interesting but it's interesting when people go to the Amazon or they go different places and they do these different hallucinogens according to even ayahuasca guess what they encounter this beautiful serpent appears to them I'm not kidding guys you don't I'm not making this up and they learn that there's no death they surely will not die and that they're God through tapping into this forbidden substance. Does this sound familiar? Okay. I'm working on some messages on this, by the way. Anyway, I just thought this verse is very interesting along those lines. It talks about breaking over a wall and getting bit by a serpent. But did uh, the first human beings 
Eve, when she listened to the serpent, did she become God? No, she died, didn't she? She got booted out of Eden. She returned back to the dust. It was a whole, it was a big lie, you know? And right now, Satan, in the last days, because four out of the five times you see the word pharmakeia, and it's pharmacus, you know, and pharmacon. Pharmacon's the noun. Pharmakeia are those who are using the drugs, you know. Pharmacus would be like a distributor of the drug. And there's different nuances to the different Greek words, but four out of the five times you see that word is in the book of Revelation where it says they don't repent of it. And in Revelation 18, where the people that run the world, Babylon in the end days, deceive the nations through their pharmakeia. So it's, a, it's indicated in Scripture that these things would be prevalent in the end times. And they are. They're growing right now. The elites of the world. And they want to make these things normative. And I'll continue. I'll have a few messages. I did a message about 25, 30 years ago called Drugs and the New Age Revolution that a lot of people passed out for some time. Uh, but this will be way deeper than even that. Uh, and it's, it's just important that we understand that there is a spiritual dimension to our lives. And you would be foolish to go out in the dark and just lift up a, a big rock and just grab whatever insects are under that rock without knowing what you're grabbing, right? And it's also foolish to just tap into the spiritual world and think you're just going to come up with something great. No. That's why I point out that Albert Hoffman who synthesized LSD from ergot of rye. Ergot is a fungi, right? Or fungi, depending on how you want to pronounce it. You can go both ways. And uh, he synthesized it. And that's when he said he became demon-possessed, but he called the LSD demon. And this entity had full control of his body, you know? Well, the Bible tells us that it's pharmakeia is a form of magic, and you open yourself up to the demonic world. Anyway, uh, you want to make sure that you just don't break through walls and think, oh, this is great. Because you don't always know what's on the other side, amen? You want to stay on the straight and narrow path and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? amen. Verse, t- verse 9, he who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs may be endangered by them. You can work in a quarry, and since you're working in a quarry, it's very easy to get hurt, hurt, hurt by stones if you're not doing it skillfully. And if you split logs... How many of you split logs, you know? You, that can be dangerous. Got to watch out for the axe. You got to watch out for the wood chips. And if you're doing it for a living, if you're a lumberjack, for instance, if you don't have a sharp axe, you're in trouble. You're doing a lot more labor than you need to. You can be worn out. Or if you're not doing it skillfully, you could be in trouble. And the idea here is that we're supposed to use wisdom when it, goes, when it just applies to the practical things of life. How much more should we be using wisdom when it applies to how we relate to God and others? So it's interesting because the picture here is of a lumberjack who has a dull axe. Because if you look at verse 10, if an axe is dull, he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more what? Strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving us success. Uh, the, the text here tells us that we have success if we use wisdom. And a lumberjack who's wise will think, I need to what? With my axe. If it's dull. I should sharpen my axe and I'll make far more progress. My work won't be nearly as hard. I won't be all wiped out. And it's just talking about using wisdom in life and God's word is what gives us a sharp edge to live life the way God calls us to live. So we're not constantly banging our head against the wall, breaking through walls and getting bit by serpents, dropping rocks on our feet, you know. We're not going through all those kinds of straight, you know, bad experiences. We're using the wisdom of God. 
you know. I read about a lumberjack who wasn't too bright and he'd never used a power saw before. He'd used the axe and he went and a power saw was kind of, you know, chainsaw was kind of a new thing. Hadn't really seen one. And, and uh, a, a sales guy at a store said, hey, can I introduce you to this chainsaw? This, you know, check this out. And he said, you'll be able to cut down more trees, you know. And the lumberjack was excited. He bought it. He came back the next day. He said, you know what? I don't know, man. I only was able to cut down two trees, far less than I normally cut down with this thing. Very, very, very difficult. You know, I think I might want my money back. He goes, wait a second, man. You should be cutting down more than two trees. He says, let me change out the blade. He changes out the blade for him. The teeth were kind of banged up. He goes, you know what? Check this out. He oils it, you know. He comes back the next day. The guy's all wiped out. Okay, I got three trees down. It's still not working very well. And then the, the sales guy just, you know, pulls the handle and boom, starts running. The guy goes, whoa, what's that sound, you know? So sometimes you got to figure things out, you know, and use wisdom. So if the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. So the neat thing is we have God's word here, amen? We're told how to treat one another. We're told how to love our neighbors ourselves. How we're to, if, if you're married, how you're supposed to love your spouses. You know, Christ loved the church. If you love even your enemies, amen? Love your brothers fervently from the heart, the Bible says, you know? Uh, it's just amazing and, and how that, what that looks like. Not returning evil for evil. Being quick to forgive, amen? Being quick to hear, slow to speak. Soft answer turns away wrath. All these wonderful scriptures, you know, let your, let your words be seasoned with salt and God's grace, you know, and just all these beautiful scriptures that tell us how to communicate, how to live, how to be a blessing, how your marriage can be blessed by simply that one verse, a soft answer turns away wrath. I love that verse. I can't tell you what a blessing it's been to use that verse during marriage counseling to help people in my own walk, in my own marriage, a soft answer turns away wrath, you know? Because our propensity as humans, we could easily get in the flesh, right? Get irritated and spout off and, and not be loving and be the opposite of what God calls us to, amen? But when we see what we're supposed to look like, how Christ told, to, teaches us, how he treated people, how he teaches us to treat one another, amen? How he laid his life down for us, it gives us a real blessing. It's a real blessing to apply the word of God to our lives and, and live the way the Lord called us to live. And it's very, very important that we live life skillfully, biblically, the way God has called us to to live life. Verse 11. If the serpent bites before it being charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. If the serpent bites before being charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. And this is connected to a person who, the next verse makes it clear, you know, the, the fool who just speaks, just doesn't even think before he speaks and just, well, guess what? The serpent that strikes before it's charmed is destructive and so is the foolish man who just speaks just whatever comes to his heart and his mind can be very very destructive and it's interesting in james chapter uh one verse 19 and 26 it says this you know my beloved brethren but everyone must be quick to hear and slow to uh, and slow to speak and slow to anger god's given us two ears and only one mouth amen he wants us to use our ears more than our mouth. Amen? If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue but, uh, but deceives his own heart, the man's religion is vain or worthless. That's a powerful verse. 
If you think you're spiritual, you're religious, you're following the Lord, I'm doing, but you don't bridle your tongue. You just say whatever comes to your head. You don't care how destructive it is. You don't care how mean it is toward another person or, or, what, or what kind of venom you're, you know, you're spouting out at somebody else like a snake that just strikes. Your faith is vain. It's worthless. If it, if it doesn't change you, James goes on to say faith without works is dead. Amen? And James goes on to say that, you know, a fountain that gives forth pure water doesn't also give forth polluted water. It's incongruent. So if we know the Lord and we're seeking him, we ought to bridle our tongues. We ought to make sure that our tongues belong to the Lord. And, you know, a good way to look at it is, would the Lord Jesus Christ say some of the things you say? You know? And if we're saying things that we can't, would never hear him say, as far as with the attitude or even some of the language that's sometimes used by professing Christians, you know, we have to, we have to, we have to look at our mouths, man. You know? The Lord's not calling people a bunch of, you know, dirty words, you know? He's not speaking destructively. Oh, he speaks truth, you know? And he speaks sometimes strongly, sometimes even with some harsh words. But he speaks the truth in love. Amen? So we have to watch our mouths, you know? So I always say, man, God's put a cage, gives us teeth, you know, around our mouth because the Bible compares our tongues to like a deadly beast, you know? And it's very, very important... Brothers and sisters, don't let these words just come into your ears. Let them change your, let God's words change your heart. Say, wait a minute, I can't just say things. Otherwise, I'm like a snake that's poisoning people, you know? In fact, uh, he says in verse 12, words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while lips of a fool consume him. So the context is that serpent striking before it's charmed is, can be very destructive. The wise man uses his mouth wisely and he speaks with gracious words, trying to build people up, trying to promote wisdom and knowledge from the Lord and encourage people. Where the destructive person, his words consume him, you know? And that's, that's pretty heavy. You talk about people, you talk about, you know, that person's going to eat their words. Well, the Bible says your words can eat you. You can be consumed by them. The, the, the word, Hebrew word means to be swallowed up, you know? Your words can have a huge effect on your life. Chapter 10, verse 13. The beginning of his talking is folly. It's foolishness. And the end of it is wicked madness. So the context here is not the whole thing about, you know, being wise and the lumberjack, the, you know, the quarrymen and so forth and not being destroyed by your own work has to do with being skillful in using your words in a sincere way that in a way the Lord can bless you in your words and that where you can be constructive to others. Amen? Very, very important in life to have wisdom. The beginning of the talking is folly. The end of it is wicked madness. Starts with foolishness, but man, it ends even uglier with wicked madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. The fool multiplies words. Instead of repenting and saying, I need to make sure my heart's right, make sure my words are right, the fool continues to talk and justify a wicked position, his wicked lifestyle, his or her rebellion against the Lord and own agenda. And it's interesting because the Hebrew word for fool here is sako, which implies dense, a confused uh, thinker. And his end is wicked madness. Then verse 14, yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen and who can tell him what will come after him. 
Doesn't, we don't know the specifics of what's going to happen in our lives next year or three years from now. The toil of a fool, the toil of a fool, the work of a fool, so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. Now remember the dull axe? If you're using a dull axe and you're not sharpening it, you're not using wisdom, you're going to be tired. Well, he's talking about that's a metaphor for the life of a fool. His work, toil, his, his toil just fatigues him because he's not living biblically. He's not living according to God's word. He's not living skillfully. He does not even know how to go to a city. He's at an age where he should know how to go to a city, but he doesn't know because he's so busy talking. He's not listening. He's not accepting any kind of instruction, you know. And we got to be careful. How many men are too proud to stop and ask for directions? I do not care, man. If I am lost, I don't like to be lost. I don't care if I look like an idiot. I'll ask three people, you know. Sometimes it's not always wise. Sometimes you're over there. And you're like, why did I listen to that person, you know. They said it so confidently, you know. So, is Siri's not always right either, is she? She's getting better, but, you know. Anyway, uh, so we've got to make sure we don't spurn correction. The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, Amen. Well, when it comes to spiritual counsel, we need God's word, amen? Even when I'm sharing with you, you notice I don't share a bunch of my opinions? Am I up here doing that? I'm sharing God's word, amen? Because that's where the truth is. That's what you want. You want God's word. That's what I want. It's his word. And we need to be wise. In fact, he's talking about this, you know, even the little things in life. That's how he started. He proceeded in chapter 10, which we've, we had a whole message on chapter 10, verse 1, fly in the ointment, which is where that term comes from in 10, 1. But his whole premise in this chapter, beginning this chapter, is how little things can be very, very destructive. Like your tongue, for instance. Chapter 10, verse 1 of the same chapter, if you back up, says, Dead flies make a perfumer's oil, what? Stink. So a little foolishness, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. And you say, oh, just a little bit of sin in my life. Ah, oh, it's acceptable. You have no idea what those little sins lead up to. They lead up to bigger sins and to total destruction ultimately if you don't. Little foxes about Paul, or this same author, Solomon, Song of Solomon, in chapter 2, verse 15, says it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. You keep the big foxes out, you can build that whole hedge and all those rocks and everything, but since they didn't, you have typically have mortar in those days, the little foxes could squeeze through, man. They're little enough, they could find a crack if you weren't diligent and they could destroy your garden. Paul said, in 1 Corinthians 5, 6, that a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump of dough, amen? And he's talking about the whole church of Corinth and letting somebody in the church live in sin and rebellion against God and not address it could ruin the whole church because it sends a message to everybody else that they could live in rebellion to God. And then it spreads throughout the church because it seemed to be, oh, that's the way the kingdom of God works. And before you know it, you have all kinds of people in rebellion to God that are going to hell and all because it starts off with allowing a little bit of rebellion against God and not deal, dealing with it. And we need to deal with our own lives. If there's an area in your life right now, you're saying, man, you know what, Joe? Yeah, there's this area in my life. I'm just letting this in. But I can manage it. <laughs> if you're not repenting of it, it's really managing you. And the enemy is ruling over you. And we ought not allow sins, life-dominating sins, right, in our lives. We don't want to leave, let sin rule over us, amen? And read, for, read Romans chapter 6. Read Romans chapter 8. Very, very, very dangerous. So we want to be very, very wise. Micah 6, 7, 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly, 
to do what's right. Amen? To love mercy. Not only God's mercy upon us, but loving, showing others mercy, and seeing others receive mercy. And walking humbly before thy God. Amen? Those simple truths, man, are so powerful. But that little tongue, that tongue's not very big, right? James 3, 5 says, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindles, a little spark. How many forest fires that have killed all kinds of people were started from a little cigarette butt or a little spark? (laughs) And that's what our tongues, the Bible says, are capable of doing. Because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. When I think of death being the power of tongue, I think of Adolf Hitler. His tongue, his oratory, demonized oratory skills. By the time he was done and had presumably killed himself, there were over what? 50 million people dead. Over 50 million people dead after World War II was over because of his tongue. On the other hand, Jesus' tongue, there's the life, Amen. The words I speak, he says, the words that I speak are spirit and life. And he says, I've come, the thief comes, still telling the story, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And here we are. And there's hundreds of millions of people, amen, on the earth right now that profess Christ as their Lord. God knows who tr- is trusting and who's not, but it's awesome, man, that we have the message of life, amen. The word, it's called the word of life as well. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 7 says, a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips are are the snare of his soul. Wow. Wow. And, you know, the fool's mouth, he just keeps going and going and going and becomes very, very destructive. You know? And uh, and then what happens is the person that speaks foolishly just says what comes to their mind and lies and or is mean spirit and stuff. Then they're constantly covering themselves. Oh, what tangled webs we weave when we seek to deceive, right? I read about a, a grocer or a guy that was working in the produce department and a lady came in there and she'd been going there for years I guess and she said hey you know what I'd like a half of head of lettuce and he goes a half a head of lettuce God made him whole and that's the way we sell them can't give you half a head of lettuce she goes hey I've been coming here for years and I really want a half a head of lettuce and I think because I've come here for years you could do that went back and forth with her he says I'm sorry let me let me go talk to the manager marches into the manager's office he's talking to the manager he goes man there's this this idiotic lady over there man she's just she's so rude and obnoxious and she wants a half a head of lettuce and then the manager kind of goes like that with his eyes because she kind of followed him in there and he steps aside he goes and this lady wants the other half this nice lady wants the other half (laughs) and a little bit later in the day the manager caught up to him he says hey that was brilliant i've never seen someone speaks someone so fast on their feet to catch themselves like that where do you learn that he goes, oh, I'm from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He goes, man, where they're known for our great hockey teams and, and we're known from the rudest, meanest, ugliest women in the world. He goes, and the, and the manager's like, he goes flush. He's like, my wife's from Grand Rapids. He goes, oh, yeah, what hockey team she play for? You know. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when you're like that and you're not genuine and you just say things and, you know, you find yourself trapped over and over again and you're just not a real person after a while, you know? And God wants us to be genuine. He wants us to speak the truth in love. Amen? And uh, your life be a lot more blessed if you're not a rude person. 
if you're not a mean-spirited person, if you're kind-hearted, if you're gentle toward people, if you pray to love people, and you show people love, that's so important that we get this and understand this. That's Proverbs 18.21, if you wanted the reference. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Powerful, powerful scriptures. And it's interesting that he uses the snake and the bite of the serpent, you know, as a picture of, of a venomous person. Because that's the picture of the fool he gives there. Someone who just strikes out and doesn't think. And is not tame. In fact, James, in James, the, the book of James, he talks about how no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly member. And it's like a hell is, that, that's what he says, set on fire from like a small spark. And he talks about the tongue is being set on fire from hell. And there he uses hell as a metaphorical picture of the powers of darkness. And no one can tame the tongue. And I think that's interesting because there's only one other place that that word tame is used in the New Testament, that Greek word. It's of the demoniac at the Gadarenes. And at the, the Gadarenes, the demoniac was possessed by a legion of demons and could not be tamed. But guess what? He could. No man could tame him, but who did? The God-man. Jesus tamed him, amen? Jesus cast the demons out of him. And we can't tame our tongue on our own, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen, we can get control of the way we talk. That's why you don't want to just try to be, you know, moralistic. Okay, yeah, I got to just try better. No, you need, to re- you need to obey the scripture, but you need to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen? You rely on God's Holy Spirit. You need to say, God, give me strength, amen? Help me to speak to your glory. And the Bible commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? and to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and, and speak truth in love and speak according to the word of God, amen? And I encourage you to be challenged in that way. I was looking at, at snakes today and over 35,000 snake species. I'm sorry, over 3,500, that's a lot though, over 3,500 different species of snakes and 600 of those are poisonous, are venomous. Did you know that? That's like crazy. And according to Encyclopedia Britannica Online, I was looking at the inland or western taipan snake. It's the deadliest, or it has the most deadly venom of all the snakes. And it bites you, man. And when it bites you, uh, I mean, I won't describe the whole process, but you start to just not be able to breathe. Your muscles fail. And as soon as a half hour, you could be dead. Okay? And its, its poison is so venomous, it could literally, has enough venom in one snake to kill 100 grown men. That's powerful. That's potent. But far more people die, are killed because of the venom of people than snakes. Every year, people are driven. I mean, I think I read a story. Uh, maybe it was in the podcast of a, you know, online bullying. You know, and kids that become suicidal because of things other kids say. You know, don't look at the words of other kids, young people. Don't word, look at the words of other people that are mean-spirited. Look at the word of God, amen? His words are life, amen? Be encouraged by his word. He loves you. He made you. He gave you life. He created you his image and meditate on his words day and night, amen? Not the words of other kids that could be destructive in your lives, you know? Because his words will encourage you and that's where you want to be plugged in and make sure your words are encouraging and that you're speaking words of life according to God's word, amen? Because we don't want to be poisonous. In James chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, we read this. For every kind of beast... And of the birds and of serpents and things of the sea is tamed, but 
and, and it has been tamed by mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And then we read in James 3, verses 3 through 6, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. That's how powerful those bits are, right? Or if we take ships as an example, James says, although they are so large and are driven through winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider that a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Wow. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. That's powerful, guys. That's letting you know that you have this deadly, poisonous thing in your mouth called your tongue. It's not everybody else's tongue, potentially. It's your tongue, my tongue. Our tongues can be very, very, very deadly. Amen? And what kinds of... So what's coming out of your mouth? Poison? Or words of love and encouragement and blessing? He gives life and death and the power of the tongue. We're either going to use our tongues to promote the gospel, the message of life, and speak truth to people and speak with compassion and, and, and words of mercy and forgiveness and be examples, or we're going to speak death. And I want to encourage you, let's obey the scripture. Amen? In Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, says, But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Wow. Verse 6 of chapter 4, Let your speech always be gracious. Let your speech, not most of the time, not some of the time, not a lot of time, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So we should give careful thought and prayer when we communicate with people. We shouldn't be speaking rashly. We shouldn't be speaking off the cuff. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 25, we read this. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. No unwholesome words are supposed to come out of our mouth, but only words that are good for edification. That means building other people up, an edifice, a building. Your words are supposed to edify others according to the need of the moment so that it will, be, will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is, one who's, uh, there is one whose rash words are like a sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Isn't that awesome? The tongue of the wise brings healing. Man, you be wise in the Lord and your tongue's going to be bringing healing to people. You're going to be fruitful. Amen? I love that. Proverbs 13, 3, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 10.20 says, The words of a good person are like pure silver. Wow. Proverbs 16.24, Kind words are like honey. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healing to the body. This is what Jesus said about our words. These are, this is heavy right here. Matthew chapter 12, verse 35 and through 37. Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle, every idle word, every idle word, men may speak. They will give an account for it on the day of judgment. Wow. 
For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. That's heavy, man. That's Matthew 12, 35 through 37. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees or the religious leaders in that context. And he's talking about the, the good that's been treasured in our hearts. It's out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said elsewhere, the mouth speaks, amen. That's why you want to make sure you're treasuring what? God's word, amen. And you're, and you're meditating upon the things of the Lord and you're meditating on his word day and night. I challenge you to make sure you are meditating on God's word day and night because then when you meditate on God's word, what's going to come out of you? God's word is going to come out of you, amen. Because you'll be, like, you'll be like the tree planted by the water. And it's a tree planted by the water. The scriptures say in Psalms and Jeremiah that when other, all the other trees are withering, man, it has green leaves, amen. It still brings forth fruit. Think about that. Do you want to be a fruitful person? I hope you do. I know you do. That's why we're here tonight. Well, you're going to be fruitful. You know, Joshua talked about meditating on his word day and night, amen. So your way will prosper in all your ways, amen. So as we meditate on his word day and night and his word abides in us and we abide in his word, that's when we bear much fruit, Jesus said in John chapter 15. And here we are. This is good. You know why? Whether you're listening by live stream or whether you're here tonight, praise God. Because what are we doing? We're meditating on his word, amen. We're sinking our roots deep into his word and therefore we're going to be fruitful. But you can't just get excited about the word for a while and then just ignore it, amen. You have to abide in the word. Meditate on it day and night, man. I try to always have scripture with me. Oh, well, yeah, that's important for you because you're a pastor. Wrong. I mean, right, it's important for you as a pastor, but wrong, that's not, that's not what it's about, though, for me. I was doing that long before I was pastoring because I knew that's what God called me to as a Christian. I didn't know I was a pastor. I didn't know I was going to be an evangelist because I knew he called me to be in his word. And to me, nothing was more important and still isn't. There's nothing more important to me than, than the Lord, his glory, his word. You know, when these, all these disciples fell away, John chapter 6, verse 66, they fell away. Jesus looked at Peter and said, will you two go away? He said, where will I go, you know? You have the words of eternal life. There's no contest. Of course, we ought not go away. Because he has the words of life. Outside of his life, outside of his light, is darkness and death. Amen. So praise God we have him. Amen. Now, it's interesting because, you know, how do we... I mean, that's pretty, pretty, pretty scary words. Think about it. But I say to you that every idle word men they speak... They will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Well, guess what? The key is what he said right before that. The good man out of the good that's treasured up in his heart speaks from that treasure. Amen? Garbage in, garbage out. So if I'm constantly listening to evil music, if I'm constantly watching raunchy television shows, what's going to happen? That stuff's going to come out of me. And it's going to affect me, and it's going to affect others that I speak to. Coarse jesting, you know. Uh, that means, you know, just empty, you know, uh, dirty, joking, stuff like that. That should not even be on our lips, amen? should be far from us. We can laugh, we can play, we can encourage each other. We've had laughter this evening. It's part of, laughter is good for the bones, the Bible says. But there's, Satan will distort everything, amen? Whether it's medicine into hallucinogens, whether it's sex into sexual perversion, and bestiality and pedophilia and homosexuality, whether it's, I mean, think of everything gets perverted where it becomes destructive. And when we live the way he calls us to live, we aren't swamps, man. We have boundaries. We're like teeming, powerful, clean, rushing, beautiful, not in sight only, but sounding rivers, man. 
God's given us these things as pictures in the, in the tree by the river, you know. I always love, I've done a lot of hiking through my life, and I used to hike a lot more than I do now when I was, I was a young Christian. I didn't know any other Christians. I just love to hike, man. And I love it, even when, with my brothers and sisters in the Lord, uh, a little bit after that, even before I was a Christian, my, you know, my, some of you guys that got saved after I got saved here, my own brother Tom and others, go hiking up to Cespi or wherever, and just the, the trees by the rivers, man. I always thought, they're just amazing how beautiful they are. And then you realize these are all teachings from the scripture as to what we're supposed to be like as we meditate on his word day and night. Amen. But it's not only, so one way we speak words of life, you guys, one way is by treasuring up his word in our hearts. Amen. But another way we do it is we pray. We pray. We pray that God would guard our mouths. In fact, yeah, it's in the scripture. Psalm 141 verse 3 says this. David prays, set a guard over my mouth. Did David say, hey, I'm king of Israel. I know God. And, and, I'm, and God chose me, so I just must have it made. No, and I'm just going to, whatever I say goes, and therefore I don't have to watch my mouth. No, he prays, set a guard over my mouth. Oh, Lord, Yahweh, keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil, to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evildoers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. Wow, I love that. That's what we have to do. We have to say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging you. You know, I have to always pray, Lord, you know, help me to lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil, you know, guard my heart, help me guard my heart, help me guard my, my eyes, help me guard my mouth, help me say words of encouragement. Lord, I never, ever, I have never stepped in the pulpit without crying out to God first. Lord, use me to your glory. Lord, help me bear fruit because I can do nothing on my own, you know, except mess everything up. I can do that. But by God's grace and relying on him, we are fruitful, amen? And he answers those prayers. I love Isaiah chapter 50, verse four. The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue. Well, that prayer gets answered, doesn't it? The sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue or a learned tongue in some translations or the tongue of a disciple in some translations to know the word that sustains the weary. We cry out to the Lord. He gives us the tongue of a learned disciple to sustain the weary with, with godly words. He awakens me morning by morning, awakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Man, the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart. You know, obviously, when it comes to Isaiah, he's a prophet. But guess what? God wants to use each of us in the little things in life. And by the way, he's talking about a lot of little things. Little things are important, guys. Giving someone a class of water, Jesus said, will not go unrewarded if you do it in his name. Amen. And life isn't made up of one or two big decisions. Oh, big decisions are important. You want to make sure you've received Christ, amen? That changes your whole eternity, whether you have Jesus or not, amen? But the rest of your life, for the most part, is made up of not one or two other big decisions, but it's made up of hundreds, thousands of little decisions. And if you consistently seek to make decisions to glorify the Lord, and you live skillfully with a sharp axe, amen, you'll get through life and you'll live in a skillful way where you'll be incredibly blessed and you'll be a blessing to others and the kingdom of God and a blessing to God's heart. Amen? And that's what he's calling us to. So don't, the Bible says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. That's in the book of Job. How many have heard that saying? Well, that's actually another biblical saying. By the skin of your teeth. That's also in the book of Job. There's so many sayings that are from the Bible that people don't even realize that's right out of the Bible. You know, the fly in the ointment. That's in chapter 10, verse 1 of the Ecclesiastes we're in right now. You know? Oh, not the sharpest tool in the shed. That's right there. The axe being dull. 
you know. I mean, just going on, it's coming, like, just coming right now, but it's crazy to think about it. So we want to be sharp tools, but we're sharp tools when we're, the Bible says one man, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, amen. Here we are, as brothers and sisters in Christ, sharpening each other, amen. Encourage each other, fellowshiping one with another, you know. And we don't have these like feasts of charities and barbecues and stuff just so you can have a yummy meal. We're promoting fellowship, amen. We're like encouraging our brothers and sisters to sit together, to talk together, encourage each other. And that's one of the beautiful things about this fellowship. The service is over, and I'm not kidding you. I mean, we see it, you see it all the time. A lot of churches, most churches, sadly, five minutes after the service is over, it's gone. In this fellowship, most people are still here a half hour later. Or a lot of people are here that, that you know, you don't have to be here, but we want to be here. Michael just said to me, bro, what was it, Sunday? He go, man, I love it. I love coming here because I want to come to church, you know. <laughs> he said, I think you said you never thought you'd be like that, you know. Well, now you know Jesus. Now you know, brothers, now you know what it means to be in the kingdom of God, amen. Kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but peace, love, and joy in the Holy Spirit, it says in the, in the book of Romans, you know. And praise God for meat and drink. But praise God for the peace, love, and joy, which transcends any physical thing we could have, which comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can have a relationship with God, that we can have his spirit, his Holy Spirit living within us, that we can ex- experience koinonia, where we fellowship one with another and we share the love and the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit. The very things the world wants but can't have because they don't see God. Here we have, they're right before us and they're free. Amen? They're free. He offers them to us. The Lord is so good. But you know, I want to encourage you in this too. One thing, the most important thing you can ever do with your mouth and the wisest thing you could ever do with your mouth is confess Jesus Christ as your Lord. Amen. Because it says in Romans 10, 9, if we confess Jesus Christ as Lord, amen, and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be what? We shall be saved. Amen. And that's not only just good, that's not only good for you that determines your eternity where, whether you confess him as your Lord or not, but that's the best thing you do for others as well as you proclaim Christ as Lord, amen, and lift him up and, 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 and share him with the world because then you become a catalyst, an agent used by God and his power to effectuate the gift or uh, effectuate the, allow the Holy Spirit through you to effectuate uh, the appropriation of God's grace through faith as you share the gospel to others because that scripture goes on to say faith comes to hearing and hearing by the word of God, amen. So as we share the word of God, as we share the gospel, amen, we share the logos, the message. We share the word, the Greek word there's logos, the message of the gospel. It's referring to the message of the gospel. And we share that Jesus died for our sins, that he rose again, he conquered the grave, amen. Uh, we share the message that changes people for eternity. And we have that message, and don't as, underestimate the power that you have. You have the gospel. What did Paul say? In Romans 1.16, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God to salvation, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And sometimes, and I just say this, and I try to remind you of this from time to time. Sometimes we forget how powerful the gospel is. I hear Ariella roaring over there, you know. She comes up and she'll roar and scare me sometimes. And she's just a couple years old and, and she sounds like a little deer when she roars. I mean, I don't know what deer would sound like, but it's cute though. She's trying to scare me, but I hear she's trying to scare some kid over there. But uh, 
We have an awesome God. But speaking of lions and roaring, Spurgeon said, you don't have to defend a lion. You just let it out of the cage. Okay? And that's what we do with the gospel, amen? Oh, yeah, we, we, we're apologists, man. We'll still defend the gospel, amen? Because you have wicked people that will twist it into something it isn't. So we have to proclaim what it truly is, amen? But it's the power of God of salvation to everyone, everyone, everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Greek. Because the gospel came first to the Jews. Because God chose Abraham and through Abraham we bring the gospel to the whole world. So his descendants and now it goes to everyone. And don't underestimate the power of the gospel. Because a lot of that chapter has to do with how you're using your words. And I want you to make sure and understand we're going to be judged for every idle word, right? Well, I know when I'm sharing the gospel with people, I'm not being idle. Amen? We're being fruitful. We, we've got tracts you can pass out. My sister Peggy is moving along with uh, Kenny. Uh, breaks my heart because we're going to miss them, but uh, known her a long time. She's my sister, right? So, and Kenny, we love those guys, but she was saying she wants to get, you know, buy like a, a 1,500 or 1,000 tracks, you know, uh, are you on the road to heaven? And Chad was talking about how effective that track they were using in Texas. I think I wrote that track like three years ago for witnessing. But man, if you're saying, I have a hard time sharing with people, just grab some tracks. You don't have to pay for them at the church. We make them available at the church here. Just grab some and pass them out to people. Amen. I wish I had my mask. I have a mask that's a, kind of a dark blue mask with a big white cross on it. And guess what? I'm like, okay, I don't like wearing masks. And there's a lot of debate as to whether they even help or not, you know. A study that just came out by the CDC just said, you know, well, they had, I don't know how many people, 85, 90 people that had masks and 85, 90 didn't or whatever. hundred and some people, I don't know what it was. I was looking at it and they said they, had this, they caught COVID at the same rate, you know. That's one study, so I'm not, you know, it's just one study. I'm not saying that's end-all study. There's been other studies that have said other things, so I don't know. But guess what? If I'm going to wear a mask, I have a big cross on my mask. And guess what? You, you want me to wear a mask? I'm going to wear a mask. I want to show you Jesus, you know. And, you know, and I think, and, you know, I've had a number of people that I would not expect say, man, I really like your mask. It's checkers or whatever, you know. Just yesterday, I went to the candy store, and, this, and I got some candy for my grandchildren who we had for a few days. And uh, it was yesterday. And the guy sitting behind the candy store, you know. I didn't peg him as a Christian, you know. I probably drew a wrong conclusion too, you know, for whatever reason, that he wasn't a believer, I was thinking. And he goes, man, I really like your mask, you know. And he's like, I go, are you a Christian, you know. Well, I think, yeah, I am a Christian, you know, and I'm Southern Baptist. Well, my dad was, my mom's an independent Baptist, so I'm not sure which one I am. I go, well, are you trusting Jesus, you know, <laughs> you know. And, uh, you know, it's just an opportunity to share Jesus with people too, you know. So let's use our lives as opportunities because your life goes quick, man. It goes so fast. And let's take opportunity to share Jesus with people, to win people to Christ, amen. And we work as a body. We have different gifts. Not everybody's called to go to the streets, right? But we're all called to go to the streets through as a church, not as a person. I'm not saying every person has to go to the streets, but we're all supposed to support the sharing of the gospel. Amen. amen. There's different ways God uses different people to support it because we have different gifts. Amen. But the key is, is make sure you're using your gift among the brothers and sisters. Some have more ministry to build up other believers, to encourage them, to strengthen them and make sure they're healthy so they can evangelize. Amen. And some have more, some have gifts of going out on the streets and doing evangelism, you know, 
I like to do both, and I think it's important that we always seek to be used to build up our brothers and sisters. But I think all of us should try to share with the lost in some way, amen? Even though you may not be called to be a full-time evangelist, God's going to put people in your path that you can show the gospel with, amen? And it's as simple as saying, God, guard the words of my mouth, guard my lips, guard my tongue, so I don't speak evil. Pretty cool owl just flew by. But help me speak words that are of edification that build people up. And you know what builds people up more than anything else? It's the gospel. Because they're no longer going to hell. And they become part of the, they become a living stone in the kingdom of God, part of the God's kingdom, you know. So I want to encourage you to pray that God would not only guard your tongue and then help us be wise to watch our tongues, but also pray that God would give you boldness. Amen. I've told you before, Paul. He, Paul asked the question to the churches, pray that God would give me boldness to speak the gospel clearly. And when I see that, that's humbly. I'm like, wow, that's Paul. That's Paul. And when you read Paul's letters, man, they're so powerful because they're inspired by the Holy Spirit, though, guys. Do you understand that? It's not Paul. It's Paul being used by the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what? God wants to use us, not to write the Word of God, but to communicate the Word of God to others. Amen? And Paul had a complex a little bit. Remember Moses? I can't even talk, Lord. Perfect, Moses. Because guess what? You're going to rely on Jesus. Or you rely on Yahweh. And God says, Moses, I will be with your mouth. Wow, man. And Paul, he says, you say my letters are weighty, but I can't really speak very well. So Paul felt like he couldn't really speak powerfully. But guess what? You go read through the book of Acts and you see some of the times he presents the gospel book of Acts and how it stirs people up. You know, people turn to Christ or people want to stone him. God answered those prayers because he would speak with great boldness at times. But he realized he had to rely on the Lord. Amen. So I encourage you, you, you younger believers that are out on the streets, man, don't just go out and witness, man. Pray, cry out to God, say, God, have mercy on me. Strengthen me, use me. You know, I loved it, man. Before the Texas evangelism trip took place, there was a day of fasting. So many people were fasting for that trip. And then we talked about all those divine appointments that happened afterwards. Amen. Quite amazing. And it's quite crazy. I mean, I don't have time to get into it. I think I will get into it another time because it's kind of an elaborate story. But I found myself in a middle of a saga like for four or five hours yesterday. And I was reading a book that I had no time to read because I've got so many things I've, I've got to get through. And I'm like, what am I doing reading this thing right now? And I didn't get through it. It's like 400 plus pages. And I'm like, but I told the person that, yeah, I'll check it out. But it's a subject matter that I've studied more than just about anybody and how it relates to the kingdom and, and what Satan's doing and stuff. And I thought, oh, you know what? Why am I on this? I've done so much work on this. I go, you know, it's a new newer book out on it from the enemy's perspective, by the way. And I'm thinking, you know what? Lord, you're probably going to do something related to this because you know what? I know I need to get on this again even though I'm doing all these other things. And then when I'm at this lunch, I'm like, it had everything to do with what I was studying and that 400 plus page book. And it's colossal what we're working on. I, I can't even tell you right now. It's like so, I'm like, what in the world? And I shared you guys, this is what just happened to me the last few days. And they were tripping out. They're like, no way. I go, yeah, and I knew God was doing something. And I had no idea what you were going to ask me. But it's a whole other thing, you know. But it's crazy. But I thought, I've been praying for divine appointments, right, which we all are. I go, oh, here I am, you know. It's really the Lord saying, here I am, Joe, walk, you know. And he wants you to cry out to him, Lord, 
guide and direct my feet. Lord, guide and direct my tongue. Lord, let me be careful what I listen to and what I hear and what I let into my heart, what I behold with my eyes, what I say with my mouth. Amen. And he wants all of us. He made us for his glory. No longer yield the members of your body as servants of sin, Paul says, but as what? Slaves of righteousness, amen? Because we were created by God for his glory. So I just want to encourage you guys uh, to keep going forward in the Lord. I mean, we have a God who is so good to us, who's so gracious, who's revealed himself to you, who drew you to him, who revealed his son to you, amen? Because he loves you. And he sent his son, obviously, to save you, to die a horrible death. And that's just the beginning, amen? Because he promises for those who are trusting Jesus that he'll complete the good work that he begun in us, amen? And he's, that a- he's able to present us before the Father without fault, amen? He says, if we continue in the faith and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, he'll present us to him and uh, fully reconciled. That's amazing promise. And so all you have to do is trust him, amen? Keep trusting him and keep following him and your life will be blessed. And I praise God that we're not only in his kingdom, but that we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we're family, amen? And that we have his word and his word challenges us. You know, and praise God, I know you come here and it's like, you know, you come not because you're like, oh, you know what? Uh, I want my ears tickled, you know? And I want to be told how great I am. And so, no, you come knowing you're going to get convicted. You're going to get challenged, Amen to walk with the Lord and be what he's called to be. And you're going to be encouraged. You know, there's a lot of encouragement we had as even tonight. You'll be encouraged in the Lord, you know. But that's because you're real. And that's why you're here. It's because you're, you're a person where you're saying, I want to be right with God. I don't want pablum. I don't want, you know, uh, you know, just frosted flakes. I want the meat and milk of the word, you know. Frosted flakes would be really good, but, you know. <laughs> but spiritually speaking, we want the milk and the meat of the word, Amen. And we want to glorify the Lord in these things. So we have an awesome God. And he's blessed us with so many things. So let's just keep our hands to the plow. Jesus said that one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. Let's keep our hands to the plow. Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Let's not look backwards. The Bible says, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Amen. Don't live with regrets, constantly looking back, saying, man, 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 man. No. Say, you know what? I'm living. I'm, I'm going to make the last chapters of my life glorify God. And I'm going to make them count for Jesus. And guess what? You're not graded on a sprint. This is a marathon. He that endures to the end, Jesus said, will be saved. Amen. Amen. You just walk the path that's been marked out for us. It says you just keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finish of your faith. Amen. And we'll be fine. Because things, things might get really ugly in the next month and a half. Just let you know. So, some ugly things perhaps on the horizon. Uglier than what we've just seen in the last year. And 2020 was crazy in a lot of ways. But these are the beginning of birth pains. Okay? And birth pains get more intense and they get closer and closer together. And Jesus says, he describes his own coming and the birth pains that lead up to the end as a great trial. And he says, it gets real intense. But then when the baby comes, you forget the pain. Amen? When Jesus Christ comes, amen? You won't be thinking of the pain. You'll be thinking, it was all worth it. Thank God. Praise you, Jesus. I'm so happy. Amen. But you're the baby. Amen. He's the parent. And it's just going to be exciting, man. So keep 
your eyes on Jesus. And uh, we're getting done a little bit early here. But we went through a lot of scripture, right? Do you feel edified, built up in the scripture? Let's keep, let's all stand up, please. <laughs>